Welcome into the Hot Buy Happy Hour. We're back. It's time for the second half of our NFL draft analysis. The boys are all back together. Got Sammy, got Tom. What's going on, Sammy? Nothing but, buddy, just hanging out, having a cigar like usual, drinking a beer today. Thank God I'm off duty. Uh, drinking a, a Trogues Nugget Nectar. Great, great beer, uh, if you can find it. And, uh, you know, drinking a, or smoking a, a Micarita cigar. Where'd I get them, Quinn? That's right. Best cigar prices. Gotta love it. Still got the uh, the promo code going. Sammy Claus, 10% off anything you can find in the store. Uh, great place. Uh, and if you're in the Northeast Pennsylvania area, hit them up. They got a great uh, pub, bar, combo. Oh, it's fantastic. Hit them up. And we still got my boy with us. He was with us last week for that first half of that draft analysis that y'all heard for round one. Tom, what's going on? Uh, no much. Just trying to get over finals and getting ready to get ready for summer. Uh, looking forward to talking with you guys again. Gracious for you guys to have me on here. Wayne and Sammy, always such great energy, always such a great time. Good to have you, Tom. Good to be here. All right. So, pick 15, New England Patriots, Mac Jones. Tom, those are your boys. What do you think of the pick? There was no other pick to go. I mean, origi so originally in my mock draft, I had. Mac Jones uh, being taken within the first 15. I thought the Patriots are going to get Najee Harris, uh, which seems like the most Patriot move ever. Don't get a quarterback, get a running back. Um, but this is a good pick. I mean, he was still on the board. No one else wanted to get him. And he just kind of fell right in the Patriots' lap. He is literally, I'm pretty sure, uh, Tom Brady's like son or something because he looks like just uh, as unathletic as Tom Brady is. Um, he, the, the, there's got to be a touch in there somewhere, but I think he's going to be a good guy. I think uh, he's going to be developing behind Cam Newton, two completely different quarterback system uh, between those two, um, but it's the Patriots. So you never really know um, how they're going to develop him. And I think probably as slow as possible. Um, I mean, my guess is Cam gets hurt in the third game in and he has to play. Um, but he's got, um, he's got really no one to throw to though, which I'm kind of, kind of worried about, um, outside of the best tight end room in football. <laughs> Probably true. Probably true. Very true. Um, so it's going to be, I mean, they've, they got, they've now got Nelson Aguilar. Um, but you know, he drops, you know, he drops passes like it's his day job the way it is. Um, and I mean, you got to get hold on, hold on before, before, before you go on from Nelson Aguilar, did you ever see the clip of uh, the guy in Philly? There's a burning mm -hmm. building. Did you guys ever see this? Oh yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So there's a burning building and this guy is outside of it. And this woman has her infant child hanging out of the building and they, they're talking to him about being like a hero. She drops it from like the second floor, third floor, and he catches the kid. And they're interviewing him afterwards on the news in Philly. And he goes, I mean, the, the building's burning, you know, and I got to step up. I got to make that catch. I can't let this kid fall. I mean, I got great hands. I'm not Nelson Aguilar out here. <laughs> and it was the most, it was the most Philly news clip you've ever heard in your life. I was dying when I heard, it. I live in the Philly area, the, the greater Philly area. So yeah, it was all over the news here. Oh, it was priceless. That's beautiful. Yeah. Hopefully, I mean, he didn't look too bad with the Raiders. He didn't drop too many passes. Yeah. Um, 
he he's not an awful he's not an awful wideout. He just is he a wideout? Is he a, is it is he a wide receiver one for a team? That's the question. Yeah, I mean your no. wide receiver one and two in New England right now is him and Kendrick Bourne. Yeah, I like Jacoby Myers. I like Jacoby Myers. I think Jacoby Myers is good. I think he just needs like he need they just need a little something else. Uh, I I feel like they're just missing someone over the top. Nikhil Harry is just not it, you know. Um, but maybe we'll find someone else. Who knows? So here, here's here's what I'll say about Mac Jones. I like his situation. I actually love his situation. I don't think that Josh McDaniels is trying to run this Cam Newton offense for for the foreseeable future. Cam Newton's on a one year deal. Uh, I've got Mac Jones after the draft as my uh my my wide receiver my <laughs> my quarterback three just based on uh, the situation that he's in. And I have some faith in Josh McDaniels to, to scheme to what Josh McDaniels does well once he becomes the starter. I can agree with that. Quinn? Yeah, I, uh, I think Mac, Mac Jones doing New England is a great move for the Patriots. If I know in my mock, I thought the Niners were going to take him at three. Because it seemed to be, for some reason, the direction the Niners were leaving were leaning. Even though I didn't think that was the best move, I think this was the best place for Mac Jones to land in the sense of him being successful in the NFL. Hundred percent. All right. Anything else on Mac? Before I move on, I'm gonna put yeah. you guys on the. I'm put you guys on the spot, and I'm gonna do it first. So you've got through all five quarterbacks that were drafted in the first round. I'm going to rank them one through five, in my opinion. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. What do you guys have? Uh, I'd bump Trey Lance up two spots, keep the other guys where they are. Did you, so, disagree, with, did you disagree with me when I said Mac Jones is quarterback three? No, I'm telling you, put Fields at QB3. Wait, hang oh. on. Give, hang on. It, give us your list. What, give give me your list. list again. Hang on. I said Lawrence, Fields, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance. Yeah. So for me, it's Lawrence, Fields, Lance, Jones, Wilson. In the sense of fantasy value, that's different. But in the sense of who I think will be successful well, no, in the NFL, that's what I that's what I ranked. Oh, you're ranked, ranked fantasy ranked. value. That's right. Okay, fantasy value. I'm going Lawrence Fields, Wilson, Lance Jones, because especially for this next year, Jones ain't playing this season. I don't think. Well, I'm talking dynasty. I'm looking dynasty. I'm looking long term, yeah, and I even and I even dynasty. I, I don't know. I think Wilson could even develop into being someone that's good too. And I mean, obviously Lawrence and fields, I love, but I, I, at the end of the day, I think Trey Lance has the best coaching staff around him. That's a fair assessment. I will give you that. What do you, any disagreement with, uh, with, with me there, Tom? Uh, as far as fantasy, I'll agree with you. Um, I mean, for, for me, they're, they're, that's pretty much spot on. Trey Lance, I, I really, I, like I said earlier, I don't really think he's going to play much this season. Mac Jones, I think by the third game, Newton will get hurt and or will be playing awful enough that they have to switch him out. 
Wilson, I think, has the steepest hill to overcome because he's playing for the Jets. So shooting, it's just trying to figure them out is a puzzle. Um, and then Fields is, I mean, Fields is, should be a day one. He should be a day one starter um, over Dalton, but they already made the commitment with Dalton. And then Trevor, Lyon, uh, Tre- Trevor Lawrence is just, I mean, he's Trevor Lawrence. He's going to be a day one starter. He'll probably look spectacular. Uh, I'm pretty sure it does, doesn't Jacksonville have one of the easier schedules this year. They will. Easy. Yeah. 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 So he'll be probably playing against the competition that isn't going to be too great. Um, not to mention you got a Houston Texans team. He's probably going to be playing against that have no idea, no idea what they're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you stole my thunder on that one. I was about to specify the Texans right. are garbage on defense. The, the Texans and- the Texans are more lost than the Jets are, which is surprising. And again, I want to go over what Trevor Lawrence is inheriting into his offense. It's Trevor Lawrence, James Robinson, Travis Etienne, DJ Shark, Marvin Jones Jr., LaVisca Chenault, Philip Dorsett. Like that is a nasty group of players that he is playing with too, with a good O-line in front of him. That's right. Norwell no. and Linder are two of the best interior O-linemen in football. Not to mention you have um, you also have Urban Meyer, who is a offensive-minded coach, who led great offenses in, at at Florida and Ohio State that were centered and around you, his quarterbacks. And Utah and Bowling Green uh, was a top Bowling twenty-five. Bowling Green yeah. was a top five, top twenty-five offense when he was the head coach there. Bowling Green. Yeah, he made Alex Smith a, a, a number one quarterback. I'm just saying, like he made Alex Smith the number one draft pick because of just how well Alex Smith played. Uh, at Utah. I think also he puts his quarterbacks in a friendly system, builds it up yep. around him to their strengths. And I think what he's going to do is, I mean, he took Cardell Jones. Okay. Took Cardell Jones and made him a national champion. I think, he, I mean, you got guys like JT Barrett who hey, are Cardell Jones, best QB in Chargers history. There you go. You got, you got, you got <laughs> JT Barrett who was probably one of the best quarterbacks in the entire college game for like four years, doesn't even get drafted. And then you got Justin Fields, who is just, I mean, he's a good Ohio State quarterback, but then you got Trevor Lawrence coming into Urban Meyer scheme. Yeah, I think think Trevor Lawrence is going to be just fine. All right, so now next four picks, we're going to go speed round here. Um, We'll go to Tom first here. Zayvon Collins, uh, Cardinals, pick 16. They got rid of uh, Hassan Reddick. They needed someone to fill in there. Uh, their linebackers have been their weakness on defense. I mean, they could have maybe done something better, uh, find something better to replace Patrick Peterson. But uh, I mean, you got to kind of got to kind of go with what you got. And I think that was a pretty good pick. He's a good guy out of Tulsa. Um, can go all over the field. Um, and he's huge too, right? Isn't he? He's ma- oh, he's, yeah, he's massive, and he moves like at like a. I think his one was for like four six or something, something he, dumb. He's an he's an impressive ass athlete, and he played for one of my favorite colleges, Tulsa. Six five two sixty, and uh, he. I mean, he tore up the the American Conference as much as I have some beef with Tulsa. Uh, <laughs> he tore it up against them, and I think. I mean, you got they're they're bringing in Malcolm Butler and. Um, a couple other guys uh, to try and replace, uh, you know, uh, Patrick Peterson. So 
I would, I'm, I'm comfortable with that pick. All right. And then Sammy, I'm gonna hit you here with my favorite. What the fuck pick from the draft? Cause the Raiders messed it up again. Alex Leatherwood at 17. Well, I had Alex Leatherwood in my mock as a first round pick. And I just, I, I know he's got a lot of athleticism. I don't know if he's got the athleticism that the Raiders want, you know, the fastest 40 for whatever position they draft end of the day. I mean, come on, really? It, I didn't expect the Raiders to pick him. Uh, I had him further down, but yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. There's other places where you could shore up. There was uh, a better offensive tackle still on the board. Darius was still there. There were a couple and Jenkins. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it, and, and tackle, is that their biggest need? I mean, they got rid of an all pro uh, perennial, all pro center in, in uh, Rodney Hudson. They traded him away. So, you know, if anything, shore up the inside to replace that guy. I don't know what they've got coming in to replace him, but you know, it made no sense. Even reaching on a Landon, Landon Dickerson. Uh, I thought he he's great. He just tore his ACL twice in college. He would have been a better pick here than I think Alex Leatherwood just based on team need. Hey, I'm always pro watching the Raiders suck. So whatever. Quinn, Quinn, what you got in 18, my man? At 18, these next two picks, I correctly predicted in my mock draft. I got the Dolphins here. Uh, I had the Dolphins here. They took Jalen Phillips, edge pressure or edge rusher out of Miami, Florida. He had to move like, what, three miles? <laughs> and now he's on his pro team. I like the pick. I think the Dolphins needed an edge rusher. That's why I had him taking him here. Uh, it, it makes sense. I like that. The only the only argument I would say is Quiddy Pay was still on the board, who I had gone by now. But I like Jalen Phillips. And the other thing is, I always love the look when a team takes a guy from their own state, because you can scout a guy a lot more from your own state traditionally. Uh, I think and, he only played. I don't think he only played there a year. Yeah, but that way, but. they still like so like from like a pro day perspective. I don't know how it worked this year with COVID but I know you can only bring in out of state guys like a certain number of times at the NFL level to like work out for you uh, as an NFL team, unless they're from your state, then there's no limit. So for the dolphins, you got way more looks at Jalen Phillips than any other team was able to get. There's a reason that after getting those more looks, they're going to take him here at 18. That's fair. Uh, pick pick 19 here. We got uh, another pick I predicted here in my mock. I didn't get too many right, but for some reason I drilled 18 and 19. Uh, Washington football team, Jameen Davis. Uh, Tom, what are you thinking about that pick? It makes sense. Uh, it's a good pick. Guy, guy is ginormous. Tackling machine. Um, kind of reminds me of um, another guy out of Kentucky. Uh, almost built very similarly um i mean yeah y'all know who i'm talking about you guys have talked about him a bunch and i think it also it bolsters a, a washington defense that we're talking about bud dupree <laughs> another guy by the last name of alan um, um but i mean he, he's coming into a, a washington football team who is um already has a good defense and is now just absolutely uh going to be better i mean i think they needed just depth 
Uh, I think that was one of their biggest things. They just wanted depth uh, here, and they went and got it um, out of him. So, I mean, I think it was a smart pick. Makes sense. Um, Josh, and, and I'm alluding to Josh Allen, for those who do not know your Kentucky history. Yeah, um, mine, was a, mine was a joke, by the way. There you go. Um, he actually, ironically, in their um, their senior seasons, he has uh, obviously less sacks than Josh Allen did coming out of Kentucky. Um, but he has, uh, I think, like 102 tackles uh, coming out. So he's got he's got he can move. And Washington's going to have him playing interior defensive line too. He's right. going to play middle linebacker. Hey, yeah, uh, him and him and he's going to learn also behind John Bostic, who is just an animal uh, of a linebacker. For anyone who is watching, uh, who's ever watched Washington the last couple of years. Yeah, because Montez Sweat and Chase Young will be their edge rushers with John Allen and Deron Payne on the inside, sometimes Matt Ioannidis as well. And then you're going to have Jameen Davis, John Bostic, and Cole Holcomb at their linebacker positions. I don't know. I, I, I'm right with you, Tom. I think this was a team that honestly was pretty set at a lot of places except for linebacker, and that's why they go Jameen Davis here. Yeah. I mean, I, it just makes sense to me. It makes like, it makes sense of the move. And, I, you know, I really don't see there was anyone else that they really needed. Um, maybe it could have gone, you know, maybe they could have traded up, maybe gone quarterback. But, you know, they got Taylor Heineke and Ryan Fitzpatrick, so – they're pretty much They're set, set forever. They're set. Uh, I, I love. I, I. I. So last thing, I just got. God, I love their last set or their, their front seven. My God, it's yeah, so good. It's dirty, so dirty. All right, pick twenty. I'm gonna take this one because I hate this pick so damn much. New York Giants take Kadarius Tony from Florida, and the reason I hate it, and some people who know my affiliations may assume that it's because he's a Florida receiver. That's not it at all. I think there were better options for what he brings to the table later in the draft. I think there's a third round pick that fits his profile much, much better. Uh, we talked about it on the live stream too, Quinn. Uh, talking about Amari Rogers. I just, uh, I am not a fan of this pick. I don't think he is in any way better than, than Amari Rogers is right now. So what do you guys think? Yeah, I'm, I'm right with you. I think there were other better receivers on the board. Um, I agree that the Giants should have gone receiver here. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. The, the thing is the Giants just brought in, uh, you know, like they, they've got a solid receiving group. They brought in Kenny Galladay. They already had Slayton. I don't know that receiver was their top need, but if you're going to go receiver, why is Tony your guy here? And that was my biggest thing. Rashad Bateman is still on the damn board. Mm -hmm. Crazy. It's, I mean, that's absurd to me. Why you jump? I shouldn't say they jump. They didn't jump, but why do you, why do you take him at that spot when you've got some of the names that are still available and knowing that you have a fallback option, even if you take Amari Rogers in the second round, it still makes more sense to me than, than, than here. Uh, I don't get it. Tom, what do you think? I think they should have gone. I mean, I, well, I think, Wide receiver, it makes sense. I think they should have gone linebacker because they had, I think one of the biggest things we saw this season was that they were, you know, they have that tough uh, defensive line with, you know, Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams and now Danny Sheldon. Um, but I feel like they could have easily have bolstered that 
Uh, I just feel like they have no depth. Once you get past that first line of guys, there is nobody. Blake Martinez is good, but, like, your outside linebackers, you now kind of have Reggie Ragland, but you're not sure how he's going to play. I mean, I don't know. I feel like they could have – they had other needs that needed to be taken care of. Nate Solder's getting old. Maybe you could have gone tackle here. Um, well, that's, that's, that's exactly the need that I think they should have taken advantage of. Right. Darisol is Sol- still on the board. Exactly. I know. That's – I mean, that's the thing that kills me. So, we talked about the wide receiver perspective, but – Really, if you're talking about biggest team need, and yep. we talked about it, we, we talked about it in the live stream uh, also, Twin, fourth most sacks given up by the New York Giants over the past two years in the entire NFL. I, I mean, get some protection for the guy, right? Saquon Barkley couldn't get two yards a rush in the, the games that he, or the two games that he played Especially last year. Especially when you have one of the best front sevens in football bolstering that front seven right in front of you. Exactly. I think, I mean, there's just, there's just so many other ways they could have gone that. And I think it was kind of a waste of a pick. I mean, I I think he's a good player. I just don't think this was the pick to go for it for Daniel Jones, um, who needs, who needs to obviously work on his passing game and has had no time in the pocket. You know, like you guys said, fourth most sacks given up in the last couple of years, Saquon literally is probably the only reason carrying that will Hernandez has not worked out. Um, like he was supposed to. He's been probably more a detriment to the team's culture than he has been to helping the run game like he was supposed to do. Um, so I just, yeah, I just thought offensive line was just a bigger need here for them. All right, Dynasty rookie draft perspective. Do you even care about Kadarius, Tony? Nope. Nope. Yeah. I mean, okay. I'll, take, I'll, take, I'll take a flyer on him. If he's, a, if he's available in the third round, and I'm not even exaggerating, third round, I'll take a flyer on him. Yeah. Yep. All right, uh, we'll go kind of speed round here, the next three picks. Actually, what's interesting, though, I, for the record, I love the next three picks. I think all of these three guys fell farther than they should have, and I think all of these teams are very happy they got who they got. We'll start here. Colts, Quiddy Pay, Sammy, we'll go to you. Yeah, uh, they've already got a good D-line. They had a little bit of attrition with Justin Houston leaving uh, th- this year, and he's still a free agent. There were some, some rumblings that the Colts were going to re-sign him. Uh, but you bring in Quiddy Pay, and when you talk about that salary cap being lower this year, I think that's huge. You've got a, a replacement for an edge rusher in him for Justin Houston at a lower cost. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's a great pick. And I, I think the Colts are going to be Super Bowl contenders this year. All right, Tom, speaking of uh, another team in the same division that may be a Super Bowl content- contender with the help of this pick, uh, Caleb Farley to the Titans. Long, lanky, tough. This, I mean, this is this is Titans defense. Just absolutely tough. You got guys who can cover. I mean, I think that was one of the biggest things that we kind of, wa- you know, watching their defense play, especially in the playoffs. Um, they were really missing a good corner. Like Malcolm Butler was just a liability most of the season he played. Um, I mean, and you had, you know, I mean, it, it just their corners were not, were not like reliable. That was their weakness for a lot of it. Uh, and that's a good, that's a pretty standout defense most of the time. Um, and, you know, biggest thing, it's Mike Frable. He's a, he's a defensive guy. He's a former Patriots linebacker who is like nose grinding. He wants it tough. And 
I think this is exactly the guy you're getting. I mean, Virginia Tech guy, so it means he's not the best-rated guy coming out, originally a wide receiver, so he knows how receivers are going to be running routes. Um, you know, before he opted out, he had 20 tackles, four interceptions, and a, uh, and a, and a, and a touchdown. I mean, he was first-team all-ACC in a pretty good ACC um, you know, conference, so I don't know. It was just kind of, it was just a good, good pick. And I think, uh, I think he's going to fit perfectly in that scheme. And also I just love long corners. Give me, get, don't give me a guy who's five, nine, who runs four, three. Give me a guy who's six, two step goes step for step with hopefully a guy like DK Metcalf and can at least break up the ball somewhere in the end zone. Yeah. And that's the other thing is Caleb Fairley or sorry, Caleb Farley. He's going to be, the number one in that secondary with the Janoris Jenkins and yeah. with the Titans defense, um, CB three doesn't really matter. They don't run a lot of nickel. They don't run a lot of dime. It's going to be Farley and Jenkins all the way with Bayard and Amani hooker behind them. And they're going to rely on their fast linebackers. The thing is they have such a speedy linebacker core that they can rely on those guys to almost be a nickel corner. I agree. All right, Tom, we're going to, uh, we'll, we'll come back to you here. Uh, Vikings with maybe the steal of the draft, Christian Darisol all the way down at 23. Yeah. Hands down, probably the best steal. Uh, another Virginia tech guy who, I mean, I, I gotta say Virginia tech, uh, while it's not always the best team in the scheme of, uh, college football, they are consistently always bringing out NFL talent. Um, and I mean, you know, it, it, it's definitely a good place to go play football, but also most of those guys are coming out with a chip on their shoulder, uh, which I, which I can appreciate. So, um, and I think this is uh, Kirk cousins needed, needed an offensive tackle. Um, I mean, he also needs to remember where his wide receivers are, but um you know, I think it's a good pick. I think this was a no-brainer for them. They didn't really have a good tackle. They have a great interior line uh, with Garrett Bradbury at the center of it. Um, but I just, you know, they definitely needed a tackle. That was definitely clear later on in the season um, when Kirk was probably getting crowded um, and getting hit a lot more than he probably anticipated. Um, there's a the, the famous video of Justin Jefferson going what the what the fuck Kirk you know what the f um with uh the pass in the end zone and throwing it over his head Kirk Cousins was was having to scramble uh and try and try and try and make a play out of nothing so um I think that's a good pick and I think that's something uh that could help them um and they do they do try and address some of the needs later although I think taking Kellen Mond uh, in the third round, maybe was a little too high, a little ambitious uh, for some of their other needs, but I think it was a good pick right here. All right. So 24 Pittsburgh Steelers, Najee Harris. I think this was the pick everyone expected them to take, but I'm still not a hundred percent sure. I agree with it. He's going to be their number one running back. He's going to get a big carry share. What do you guys think of it? Uh, Sammy, we'll go to you. Yeah. So I think if you talk to Steelers fans, they definitely wanted offensive line at this point. We had one on last week and he did not want Najee. That's absolutely true. So um, 
and he's not the only one that I that I spoke to about it. So, you know, they definitely wanted offensive line instead. But at the end of the day, you've got to do something about that that backfield. And if you think that Najee Harris can perform at the level of the last good Alabama running back, which would be uh, you know Derrick Henry, and, and you think you're getting the same type of running back, they've got similar builds. Najee's not quite as big, but they. You know, they've got the same size. Here's my problem with Najee. If you watch him in college, he does not hit the hole like a guy his size should. He dances a little bit, and he likes to pop it outside. And to me, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense uh, based on his skill set. So, I mean, do I I still see Najee as a a great fantasy value? Absolutely. I mean, he's going to – as we argued, I wouldn't even say discuss, we argued – on our live stream, you know, there is something to be said about just the volume of touches that somebody gets. But at the end of the day, I just don't see him. I don't see him performing. I mean, you can say the same thing about Saquon Barkley last year. Everybody expected him to get a lot of carries and just have a high volume and perform. And again, it's only a two game sample, but man, he wasn't doing a damn thing. And I think Najee may find himself in a situation where, he can't get the running game going. He's got to get himself involved in the passing game. And they just have more targets than like my comparison was the giants have. Yeah. And that's, that's my thing. It's a real quick uh, to, to call out Kobe a little bit. This last week, he texted me that he thinks Najee Harris is better than Derrick Henry. Yeah. And that's- I kind of had to, I kind of had to shoot that down as fast as I could because it seemed just, I- I'm sorry. It's, it's nonsense to me. I think Najee Harris is good, but to say already that he's going to be better than Derrick Henry, no, you can't. You can't no, compare Co- your first-round pick. Kobe, that's a homer pick, bro. It's 100% <laughs> a homer pick. You can't say your first-round running back is better than the best running back in football. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you, you, there's no way, there's no comparison. I mean, Derrick Henry, even just coming out of Alabama, Derrick Henry had 28 touchdowns and 22 100 yards uh Najee Harris has 1400 yards and he's got 26 touchdowns but those 26 touchdowns were I think the majority of those were within the red zone for Alabama I mean if you ever just if you just watch two drives uh, against uh Florida in the SEC championship game just watch them they, they throw it to Devontae Smith they get down the goal line they hand it off to Najee Harris he just bulldozes it through um, so the, the one, the one, I agree with what you're saying, and I think there's a, a, a definite gap in their productivity in college. But I will say that Bama has changed their offense in the last four years. I agree, and I think that's that contributes to it. But, um, but I think you look at Alabama, like Derrick Henry carried that team to a national championship. There was no if ands but about it. With Najee Harris. You know, before Jalen Wilder got injured, you had him, you had Devontae Smith, you had Mac Jones. I mean, it's Alabama. You have the cream of the crop. So to say that, like, Najee Harris is better, I would have to disagree because he just doesn't have the volume that Derrick Henry had when he was at Alabama. He didn't carry the team the same, an elite team the same way. And I think I think he's going to be a very good running back. Uh, I think – but I think I, I think he's just going to be like James Conner, have a couple of really good seasons, and I think he's going to get hit with an injury and just you know kind of fade into existence or fade into 
uh, oblivion or whatever, oblivion. The, whatever yeah, word oblivion, you want to use. Whatever one. I mean, you know, so. Fast, fast yeah, so, so, so the one thing I want, I do want to say about Najee Harris is the dude catches the ball than most people better than most people realize he's a big back. So the assumption is that he's not a good receiver. He does catch the ball. Well, catches the ball with his hands. Uh, so, I mean, you can get him, get him involved in that passing game a little bit more than most people would assume based upon his size. You know, he's not a Derrick Henry where he's, he's not doing anything in, in the, in the passing game. So you've at least got that upside from a fantasy perspective. All right. Next pick Jacksonville, yeah, Travis, ET, Travis, ETN, kind of a shocker to a lot of people, right? Yeah, those Jamestown owners out there are pretty upset. What do you think, Quinn? I'm not sure the James Robinson owners should be as upset as they are. I think ETN, I, I still predict ETN to be in that same role in the offense like Eckler was when Gordon was there with the Chargers, or I think he's going to play that same role that you're seeing right now going on with the with the Colts like he, he's he's been brought in to be a scat back I don't know if I'm drafting a scat back in the first round but I think James Robinson's still first second down runner he, James Robinson's still getting every goal line touch ETN's there to catch passes because James Robinson's not a pass catcher it's not what he was there to do it's not what he can do James Robinson's a between the tackles runner ETN's there as a change of pace back well I mean let's be clear James Robinson wasn't even there to do anything last yeah. year. And I, I think that's, that's part of the reason that the Jamestown owners are having a hard time with this because they're coming to the realization that, Hey, he might've had a good season and he absolutely did. There's no question about it. Shit. I traded for him because I thought I had a, uh, an opportunity to win a championship. So I figured why not trade for him and, and see if I can lean on him to, to carry me to it. It didn't work out. I overpaid for him. But then I turned around and I sold him pretty at, at, at not quite what I bought him for, but at a pretty high fucking level. Yeah, I think I, I, I think Jacksonville was just trying to bolster that roster. And I mean, it makes I mean, it's also, a, you know, as we were talking about earlier with uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Tua and Waddle, um, it gives him some familiarity. Um, you know, I think actually, if anything, this, this may actually enhance ETN and, and Robinson's career to maybe being able to have a two headed monster, uh, going forward for them. You know, once Robinson gets tired, cause people are going to try to crowd the box, you bounce it outside with ETN on a swing pass. Um, and it keeps your defensive, your defense honest because you've got, Trevor Lawrence, who we kind of all know, but again, he's a rookie, so you don't really know how he's going to play in the NFL. Um, you know, Travis Etienne's a rookie, and James Robinson's only one year into the NFL. Not every team really knows how to play them, so it just takes a matter of time to get comfortable and stop them. So I, I think it'll be an interesting uh, dynamic to have in the backfield at Jacksonville. Tom, along the same lines, they also have Urban Meyer as the coach. Exactly. So if you think back to when Chip Kelly came to the NFL and was trying to implement his college style in his college scheme, 
into the NFL. He had good success for two years and then it got figured out. I yep. think there's some, I think there's something to that with urban Meyer. I don't know if it's going to have long-term success in the NFL, but what I do think is you're going to see some short-term success, especially when you've got two guys that are so familiar with each other with Trevor Lawrence and ETN. You know, I kind of, I look at what we talked about earlier with, you know, Hertz and Smith being from the same team Tua and Waddle uh, Burrow and, and, and Jamar chase. And I don't want to say I discount it, but I don't put a whole lot of weight in it. What I do put a lot of weight in is the combination of Lawrence ETN and urban Meyer yeah. running a college offense to maximize the abilities of those guys. And while we were sitting here, you know, just a, a team that I, I hate with a passion, but it was the first one that jumped to mind is that 2008 Florida Gators team. That was one of the, honestly, it was one of the better teams in college football history with Tebow at quarterback. And I looked at what their running backs look like. And they were all smaller than ETN, yeah. every single one of them. So, you know, you talk about scat backs and, and Jeff Demps and, and Chris Rainey and the guys that were on that team. Well, Travis Etienne is more of a real running back than those guys are. And he's got the ability to catch in space, et cetera. So I love Etienne. He went into my draft as my, my uh, running back one. Um, I think he's still going to stay there, but it's a little bit closer with, with Najee Harris now, just based on, on, on the volume. But at the same time, it didn't do anything to, to really make me think that, that ETN long-term dynasty value was going to diminish from where I had him before. Quinn, any comments for you, buddy? My, uh, my big thing with ETN is going to be, if you're in PPR, he's still going to be viable. He's going to be getting the pass catching, pass catching options. Um, and I mean, is James Robinson's value going to take a dive? Sure. He's got to share carries now, but James Robinson's still the touchdown vulture. Like, if, if you've followed fantasy football for a while, you know, like Frank Gore is the guy that yoinks touchdowns from any running back you like in fantasy. James Robinson's that and a little bit more. He's going to rip touchdowns away from ETN because at the end of the day, once you get inside the 10 yard line, ETN ain't going to see the backfield. Where you got him on your, where you got him on your dynasty board guys. ETN. I, I got him at RB2 behind Najee because Najee's the every down back in Pittsburgh now. That's fair. What about you, Tom? Um, I mean, he's still a viable option. I think uh, I kind of – I would kind of wait on ETN a little bit. Um, so when you say I mean, wait, I mean, how, how long are you talking? Like 12 team, you're thinking like end of the first? Or into the second? Where, where are you looking? I'm thinking more end of the second, just because you could. End of the, you got end of the second. End, end of the second. I think end of the second. I I just I just because he's he's gonna get paired up with Robinson, and people are gonna want Robinson coming off a hot streak uh, with a new offense and Urban Meyer. He might be more of the focal point than ETN. ETN's the rookie. They might keep him on the back burners and just have him play here and there. I mean, he kind of so where he's going. Reminds me kind of where um, Miles Sanders was a couple of years ago with the Eagles. Very crowded running back room. Kind of right. kind of bursted out of nowhere and uh, ended up becoming a star. But he was – you also got to remember Miles Sanders sat for a little bit 
obviously he's a higher pick than Miles Sanders was. Um, but I just, I think he might, they might just keep him on the back burners for now. Uh, but come, I think come, come, come the, the winter, the cold season for football, I think ETN and uh, Robinson are going to be a good one, two punch. And I think later in the season, you're going to want to pick up ETN. Yeah, and the uh, the reports coming out of Jacksonville right now is Urban Meyer wants to use uh, ETN and quote a Percy Harvin style role. Be interesting. That will yeah. be. So pick twenty six. I love this pick. Cleveland Browns take Greg Newsom the second out of Northwestern. The first time in the history of Northwestern they've had two players go in the first round. Yep. Pair with Denzel Ward, right? Yeah, I mean, I. I don't know if either of y'all have a comment to make on this pick. I think it was a great pick. I think they've got a good defense now in Cleveland. Dude, I think they just got a great team. They do. I mean, there's there's no argument here. And this is bolstering a defense that is just going to get better. And, I mean, Denzel Ward's an absolute beast. I think he's... Clowney and Garrett on the edges. I, I, I mean, it's... Your, your linebackers are just are good as well. I mean, you got an offense that's starting to mature a lot more. So I think it's a good pick, and I don't think uh, I, I don't think it's ever going to buy it. I think it's going to go for a long term, and they're going to be they're going to have him for a while. Again, it's a young team. That's what I love the most about the Browns. It's a young team, and they can they're going to be scary. Yeah, all right, uh, Baltimore Ravens pick twenty seven. I love this pick. Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota to the Baltimore. Uh, Sammy, what are your thoughts on it? I hate this pick as much as you love it. We've already <laughs> argued. We've argued about this before, both on air on the live stream, um, other times as well. Uh, look, they have a very set offense that they run that is effective, and you know people can question whether it's a a Super Bowl Super Bowl caliber team, but. Everybody has said that about teams until they get there. Well, why do you need another wide receiver when Lamar Jackson's legs are so effective? You've got J.K. Dobbins in the backfield, another good runner. You've got the Gus bus still there. Um, you know, Malcolm Brown stretches the field. He's a, this is what we argued about on the live stream. Malcolm Brown is a very, very good intermediate runner. He runs really good crossing routes. He runs really good posts. And those are the type of passes and routes that are open for a quarterback with the skill set that Lamar Jackson has. If you need a bigger wide receiver, you've still got a multitude of tight ends that you can use. First and foremost is, is Mark Andrews, who is a great target as a tight end. So I don't see it. I just, I just can't project how it's going to look. It, it feels to me like when Mike Vick went to the Atlanta Falcons way back 20 years ago now. And you had Mike Shanahan as the coach at the time who was running a West coast offense. And why would you take somebody like Mike Vick and trade it up shoot? with the chargers to take Mike Vick, the chargers moved back to get Tomlinson in that same class, in that same well, class, you know, and I, I love the pick, like you, you pick Mike Vick and he was one of the most electrifying players that we've seen in, in a long time. And you know, then you try to shoehorn, shoehorn him into an offense that doesn't make sense for him. And that's what I'm scared about with Lamar Jackson. And if they try to try to do something more with the wide receivers, 
is it going to be a detriment to the team as a whole? And can he spread the ball around to the Malcolm Browns, to the Rashad Batemans? I love Bateman. I had Bateman really, really high. When he ran that 4-3-9, I was like, this dude is moving up my board. He is he's my wide receiver four, and it is a tight wide receiver four with Devontae Smith. And then he goes to the Ravens, and it's almost like, dude, could I draft him? I mean, if he if he's my best player available when I get to my pick in the first round in some of my my leagues, I'm trading out of that pick. I'm just gonna hope to God that somebody's gonna overpay me for him. Yeah, yeah. See, my my thing with the Ravens. Sorry, Tom. I'm a I'm a jump in here because because Sammy just uh, you know said he hates my guy as much as I love my guy. I think Lamar Jackson's a better passer than people give him credit for. He just hasn't had people to pass to like last year. He was throwing to Marquise Brown, Devin Duvernay and miles Boykin. Fucking who? I mean, outside of outside of Marquise Brown, Duvernay and Boykin are meh. this year. He's got Marquise Brown. Who's your spread the field guy. He should be playing the Will Fuller role, the role of someone who just runs straight. And if he gets a step, you throw it out there. Then you got, now he's got Sammy Watkins and Rashad Bateman with him. This is far and away the best receiving core Lamar Jackson's had to work with. And he's still got Mark Andrews there, who's top five tight end football. J.K. Dobbins, who established himself to be an elite runner. This offense is elite. And I think you put Lamar Jackson with the best offense he's ever had to work with. This team is going to win the AFC North, and they're going to go on a deep run in the playoffs. And Lamar Jackson is going to be the catalyst of all of that. That's a bold prediction. Um, yeah, really is. I, I mean, I'm I, 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 so Quinn, I agree with you on like how far they're going to go. I just don't think Bateman was the pick here. Like, they have so many other needs they could have filled. Like, wide receiver just didn't seem like one, especially with the signing of Sammy Watkins, who can kind of basically just do the same thing, just run down the field, grab it. But I mean, I think they could have gotten a receiver later in the, you know, later in the draft. I mean, they had, you know, they had a couple fix, a picks later in the round. They could have gotten someone else to do that exact same thing. But I mean, this is I mean, this is just what they lost over this uh, this this past off season. Uh, Tremont Williams, who was a cornerback to retirement, Mark Ingram, who was a running back, uh, Matthew Udon, who was outside linebacker, Yannick Ngakwe, edge, um, you know. Chris Moore, who is a wide receiver, um, Jihad Ward, who is defensive end. I mean, I feel like they lost more depth than they gained. I mean, they got Alejandro Villanueva and lost Orlando Brown, but I feel like they they also lost DJ Fluker, so they could have also gone tackle there. And I, I just I feel like there was other needs in wide receiver, but um, yeah, I, don't know. I mean, I like their tackle room with Stanley and yeah. Villanueva. I mean, on their D line, they still have Derek they Wolf did. and Kalias so Campbell. Did but they didn't have Villanueva signed at the time. That's awesome. That's uh, true. They, they like that signing was complete, like the same day as the trade went through. He might not have officially inked, but like it was a done deal that like Villanueva was coming to Baltimore. I know all the, uh, all the rumors were out there, but at the same time, I mean, kind of like I said before, you got a lower salary cap this year and you've got Jenkins out there. You've just traded away Orlando Brown. Why would you not take him over a 33-year-old Villanueva? 
I had him in a, I had them taken in our mock a, a pass rusher because I thought that that made a whole hell of a lot of sense. You know, stock up on that Ravens defense that we're always we always talk about, and you know this the, the wide receiver pick. Like I said, they they have been effective with what they've done previously. And I will say, I'm looking at their defense right now. I still love the room. Like you're looking at Derek Wolf, Brandon Williams, Campbell, Kalias Campbell on the D line. I like Tyus Bowser, Pernell McPhee, outside linebacker. They got LJ Fortin, Patrick Queen, who I love Patrick Queen, by the way. Uh, and then you got Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, and Jimmy Smith with Tavon Young as your fourth corner. And then Chuck Clark, Deshaun Elliott at safeties. It's a good room. It's a really good defensive room. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. So, Quinn, where do you have Rashad Bateman now? See, it's, it's interesting to me because, like, I feel like he makes the team so much better, but I don't rank him as high in fantasy because I feel like – I don't know. I feel like he's going to get his share of red zone targets, but he's still sharing red zone targets with both the running game, which is going to be effective. Like, I, I still have him as my wide receiver four out of this rookie class in fantasy. Even as much of a difference maker as I think he's going to be for the team, I think it was more of a – team this was a ravens don't give a shit about your fantasy team pick that's how that seemed to me so so where how close do you have him to Devonte smith uh well Devonte smith is my fantasy receiver one well whoever whoever your wide receiver three is how close do you have him uh i i think there is a still a pretty solid drop off between three and four i just yeah. think I, th I think Bateman brings more to the Baltimore Ravens than he will to your fantasy team. That's fair. All right. Uh, oh, before we go on, one other thing I want to mention is if you look at some of the – talking about stretching the field, you still had Tutu Atwell and Anthony Schwartz out there. You know, two absolute burners, and that would make sense. If they had taken one of those as a flyer in a second or third round, I'd have been all for that. Yeah, I don't I don't think their look was to stretch the field. Hollywood can stretch the field. They needed a bigger body that they could count on interior inside the you know, inside the uh the hash marks. Fair. All right, next um, next pick. We'll go rapid fire for the next five of them. Rest of the first round. Yeah, finish up the first round with rapid fire. All right. So 28, New Orleans Saints take Peyton Turner, the end out of Houston. What do you think, Quinn? Yeah, I think there was a better pass rusher available than Peyton Turner. Um, I liked Aziz Ojolari. I The Saints were a weird, uh, one of those weird teams where they didn't have a whole lot of holes. So I don't hate the pick, but I don't know. I think there were better options there. All right. Green Bay Packers, Eric Stokes, cornerback out of Georgia. I'll, I'll grab this one. I don't even think he was the best cornerback out of Georgia. I really, really like Tyson Campbell. Uh, I thought his, uh, his size was impressive. Eric Stokes had a ridiculous 44 two nine, if I'm not mistaken, it was definitely, it was definitely four sub four, three. It was a four, two, nine. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. All right. So, I, I mean, the guy's just got ridiculous athleticism. Uh, I mean, maybe you, you think about, you got Alexander on one side and, and you got Stokes on the other to match up with the wide receiver twos on certain teams that are, that are quicker. I mean, maybe that was the thinking, but I don't just, I, I just don't get it. You know, there's, 
there's better options for the Packers out there. No, yeah, that, it was a bad pick, even if you were just looking corner, in my opinion. I'm with you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Buffalo Bills, Greg Rousseau. I nailed this one on the mock, shockingly. Got a got a, the 30th pick right. Tom, what do you think? Besides the fact that he's a Miami guy, which I know you already hate. Rousseau, Thanks, bro. He, <laughs> Rousseau when he was playing, because uh, he, he did opt out for the 2020 season, he was right behind Chase Young in the sacks category. Uh, for 2019, he had 15 and a half, which is absolutely ridiculous um, to be one whole sack behind Chase Young, who we all know is extremely dominant. Big dude, 6'7", 265, moves well, moves like a tight end, played wide receiver in high school. I love this pick uh, to a Bills defense that just gets nastier and nastier. And I'm excited to see. I think I don't think this was a so, – again, they were already a bang-out team to begin with. Um, I thought maybe they were going to go running back here, but with already ETN and Najee off the board, I think right now is just the best player and boost a def- Why not boost a defense that can just get better? Hey, so who'd they play in the playoffs last year or lose to in the playoffs last year? You guys remember? That's right. The chiefs. What yep. beat the chief? What beat the chiefs in the super bowl? Pass rush. Pass rush. That's absolutely right. Uh, that pick just made, too much sense for me. I agree. Uh, Baltimore Ravens, Jason Owoe. Did I say that right, Quinn? Uh, away. Away. What do you got for him? Yeah, I uh, I talked Going about to, him. A, hold on. Going to the Baltimore Ravens. Sorry, I missed that. Yeah, I talked about him a bit in our, uh, in our episode last week. The dude's fast as shit. He ran a 4-2-9. Um. If he comes off the edge, I don't care who the fuck you have at quarterback because he's a Raven. The, there's only one quarterback that could outrun him, and he's on the team that he plays for. If he comes off the edge, you're sacked. Deal with it. I love the pick. Um, I'm, I'm still I, – I, I've said it before. I'm a big Aziz Ojolari guy. I think he should have gone day one, but I, I also loved Oway. Um, for the Ravens, it bolsters an already good defense. And it increases your pass rush, which is what you're looking for in the most aggressive pass rushing division in football. Yeah, I agree. And I, I mentioned their, their pass rush and why I think they needed to strengthen it anyway earlier. So I'll take pick 32 with my Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Super Bowl champs, just to, to reinforce that. So I figured they'd go edge rusher. Uh, they were returning all 22 starters. And I figured they would just add depth uh, from a pass rush standpoint, they got a couple guys on one-year contracts. I actually went Jeremiah Owusu Koromora, but uh, you know I could have seen him go Ojolari, something like that. Joe Tryon. I mean, if I guess you got to trust their evaluation, right? Yeah, At and I mean, point. there were some heart issues with Owusu Koromoa that didn't come up until after the draft that teams knew about. Yeah, so you know, that's going to push him down a little bit. Um, but, but either way, when you're you running at 3-4 Todd Bowles defense, pass rush is always something important, especially when you can rotate guys. So uh, I'll, I'll take it. I don't know if it's much of a reach. I just think there were some better guys out there. All right, so that wraps up the first round, fellas. Uh, we want to touch on uh, any hot takes through the rest of the draft, uh, especially when it comes to a fantasy perspective that we think were, were good picks or, or things that we were just kind of scratched our head about. 
Yeah, so my thing, I think uh, let's go to day two, so rounds two and three. Is there anybody there that maybe you want this year in fantasy or from a dynasty perspective you want to stash? And I'll start it off right now. Um, if I've got someone that I'm willing to stash in fantasy from a dynasty perspective, give me Kyle Trask. He's going to sit in an elite offense, in an elite offensive scheme. And he gets to sit behind Brady for a year or two. It might take a couple seasons before he takes over, but man, when he does, you get to learn from the best quarterback to ever do it for a couple years. Kyle Trask is going to be good when he takes over for Tampa. What do you think about that, Tom? I mean, I love it. Uh, I think, I mean, that's not the, you know, the guy in the, in the second day that I would have gone with. Um, that's going to be, you're going to want. Um, I mean, I think he's a good quarterback. I, I told uh, Quinn leading up to this draft, I think Kyle Trask is going to go to a team and he's going to be probably one of the most successful quarterbacks coming out of this draft because he's going to sit behind somebody who's really good. Um, and he yeah, was going behind the goat. So uh, similar frame to Tom Brady. I think it's a good choice. Honestly, my guy was Armar, um, Amari Rogers and Trey Sermon. I kind of, I, I was kind of debating between these two, but you know, Trey Sermon's going to the 49ers. Uh, he was, people forget actually how good of a running back he has been over the last couple of years in college. Uh, and he's going to, you know, he's going to sit behind Raheem Mozart um, and Wayne Gallman. Um, but he is a step above Wayne Gallman and probably right on the heels of Mozart as far as talent and just pure running ability. Um, and then, you know, Amari Rogers, uh, I, maybe not the wide receiver Aaron Rodgers was hoping for, not another A-Rod. Um, but I mean, time in, time out, he was probably Trevor Lawrence's this past season. Trevor Lawrence is probably a go-to guy, uh, in a pickle kind of how, um, Hunter Renfro was for Derek Carr this past season, another Clemson guy, smaller guy, uh, powerful lower half, you know, can run, can run the heels off of people. Uh, but, you know, also is kind of shifty and can move, move well in space. So um, and if, you're, if, if you're looking at, if you're looking at his film from 2020, yeah. you got to remember that he's coming off a, a torn ACL. I, I, I love me some Amari Rogers. I mean, I mentioned him in the first round. Uh, when we talked about Kadarius Tony, uh, I think Amari Rogers is fantastic. I think he's got a great landing spot too. Yeah, and to uh, to bounce back to Trey Sermon, I'm on the firm conclusion it does not matter who is RB one in the 49ers scheme. They're just going to run for 200 yards and two touchdowns. Just accept that. Yeah. Um, if you could call up Kyle Shanahan the day before a game and say, "Hey, who's your RB one this week?" you would win your fantasy league. The issue yeah. is Kyle Shanahan doesn't give a shit about your fantasy team. And you don't know if it's going to be Mostert. You don't know if it's going to be Trey Sermon. You don't know if it's going to be some Joe Blow that he pulled off the sidewalk two days ago. But yeah, if, if Trey Sermon becomes the, if someone becomes an established RB1 in San Francisco, whether it be Mostert, whether it be Trey Sermon, whether it be somebody else, they're going to dominate in fantasy because running backs in Kyle Shanahan's scheme are fantastic. I mean, this guy, Trey Sermon, ran 331 yards on a Northwestern defense that is known for its defense. I mean, just watching him in the Big Ten Championship was just kind of like 
where has this been? And oh my gosh, this guy is scary. I mean, he was, and people forget when he was at Oklahoma, the, the first two years he was there, he was a very good running back sharing a backfield with Rodney Anderson, um, who was another good, like they had people forget Oklahoma Sooners had some great running backs for a couple of years there. Um, and, you know, it just sucks that, you know, in 2019, he had a couple of injuries that kind of hindered him. Um, but man, I think he's going to be scary um, in that 49ers backfield. And like Quinn said, whoever you put back there, he's, he's going to be good. And I think honestly, he's got the tools in order to take the 49ers uh, running game to maybe another level that uh, they haven't seen yet. Sammy day two, who do you like? I like a couple guys. So talked about our Amari Rogers. He's, he's my number one like from, from day two. Uh, I like Javante Williams. I like the landing spot in Denver. Uh, you know, I'm not as high on him as one of our fellow fantasy affarians, Brad is, uh, who I think had him as RB one, but, uh, man, he did fall into a good situation. So he makes it really appetizing. I like Rondell Moore going to Arizona. They led the league in four wide receiver sets. So he's going to see the field. You've got an aging AJ green. You've got an, God, I can't believe he's still playing Larry Fitz. Well, uh, they, they don't know if he's still playing. Well, he's still I, a question mark. Well, I, I think he's going to come back. I think he would have retired, said he was retiring already, but either way. It, so if he doesn't come back, it makes him even more of a, of a, like, uh, I mean, you got that guy is shifty as hell, man. He, uh, was he five, seven. And he just makes people miss. Uh, if you didn't watch me play for Purdue, had some just incredible games against some good, good teams. And then the last one I want to mention, it's kind of a, a like in day two and a dislike in day two. So I'll start with the dislike. Harris Marshall, is he going to see enough balls in Cleveland to make his value what you think it should be? I think he's a good receiver. I think he went to a really bad situation. But on the same team, you've got Anthony Schwartz, who ran one of the three fastest 100-yard dashes, or 100 meters, sorry. That's dating me. 100-meter dashes in all of high school history now on that Cleveland team as well. And I think he complements them more than even Terrace Marshall does because Terrace Marshall kind of falls more into the category of the Landry or the, the OBJ, but Anthony Schwartz, Schwartz ran a four two six fastest 40 out of any person in this draft, bro. And that's, that's actually lower than what I would have expected him to run. He is that effing fast, man. I'm not kidding. When I say that he's got one of the three fastest hundreds in the history of high school running, he, he really does. It's, it's insane. So Anthony Schwartz, Cleveland, I would take a flyer on him before I'd take a flyer on Paris Marshall, just because I think he fits that offense better. Stretch the hell out of that field. Yeah, so that sums up day two. Day three, there aren't a whole lot of fantasy values that need to be talked about right now, which is typical of day three. Um, one that I want to mention, and it might be a little bit of a homer pick, but I think it's worth at least bringing up is Larry Roundtree the third to the Chargers. Um, the Chargers have Eckler, 
And then behind him, I mean, there's Justin Jackson and there's Josh Kelly, which have both, you know, they've been solid, right? They've shown, they've shown flashes, but there's so many question marks with them. And it is not unthinkable that Roundtree could establish himself as an RB2 with that Chargers team. And if he does that, Eckler has not shown a consistent injury history. So Roundtree might not be a horrible handcuff to just have stashed on your team if he wins that RB2 job. All right. I got one. I threw his name out earlier when we were talking about uh talking about the Jets. But Michael Carter mm. going there as a running back. I don't think they have an established running back. I say I don't think. I know they don't really have an established running back right now. He was productive in college. He was actually behind Javante Williams. And I think there's something to be said about not having those miles on the legs. You look back at like a Cadillac Williams or a Ronnie Brown back, I think it was 04, so probably before your guys' time frame. Uh, But they both came out of Auburn as running backs around then. and, And they were both good, really good. Uh, backs in the NFL for a, for a while, uh, especially Ronnie Brown and, and until he, uh, he or Cadillac Williams until he messed up his knee. But uh, I, I, th- I think that position is wide open. So uh, Michael Carter running back out of, out of the, or going to the jets. I think he's a, he, he's a good pick. Tom, you got anything day three? Yeah, I think probably my day three, would probably be um, I gotta find Daz Newsom. First of all, coolest name Daz D A Z Z Daz. Well, double uh, Z's. Oh yeah. Um, was probably one of the kind of kind of was understated behind the running backs that were coming out of North Carolina, um, but was kind of a big help for uh, Sam Howell at Chapel Hill, uh, giving him someone comfortable to throw to. Um, Guys like 5'11", 190, shifty, can move well. He's going to the Bears. Um, And I think he's going to be a nice, possibly number two, number three option for the Bears come this season, especially with, um, you know, with obviously we talked about Justin Fields and, you know, how he's going to need maybe just someone to cushion with. I mean, you've already got, you know, Marquise Goodwin and you already got Allen Robinson and, you know, Riley, uh, Riley Ridley, um, you know, sitting there. So you got a couple good receivers. This is an Anthony Miller. So you're just adding to your depth here. And I think it's a good move uh, come later in the season, you know, because Allen Robinson has some injury history. Uh, Marquise Goodwin has some injury history. So, that at least gives you somebody who's reliable, um, who's young, who's fresh, who can play for you, um, you know, come towards the end of the season. I think he'll be – I think he'll be sneaky. I have a feeling because he's coming out of North Carolina. So, uh, they were sneaky this year, and I feel like they're going to be sneaky again. Uh, those Tar Heels, man. Hey, hey, Quinn, before we wrap it up. So, so one thing I want to mention, if you've made it to the end of this podcast, so there's one guy that has been really high – on a lot of people's boards really up until the three weeks before the draft actually happened. 
And that was my boy from Florida State, Murray and Terry. And if you listen to this podcast or, or you follow me on Twitter, you've seen where I've gotten into a couple back and forth about Terry specifically and, and how I didn't think his game translated to the NFL. And one thing I'll recommend to everybody listening is if you've got somebody who watches a team, a college team every week, and they say something negative about a player, then listen to them. Because how often does a guy get on a podcast or, or get on Twitter and say, Hey man, I'm just not seeing it. You know, I don't think that they have the value that, that, that you're seeing from watching a couple clips here and there vice me watching them week in and week out. And I had Terry off my board. I wasn't even considering him as a, as somebody I would pick in a, a three round uh, super flex uh, dynasty draft. So, you know, that, that all I'm trying to say is if you've got somebody who's got some, some better Intel than a guy who's just simply watching a few clips, listen to it, especially when it's negative. No, that's all I'll say about that. We had a couple, couple back and forth with a couple fantasy affarians uh, on Twitter. I did on, on, uh, on Twitter and uh, you know, just, just wanted to highlight that. Yeah. So Sammy, knowing that you watch, you know, your Florida state boys, week in and week out. What do you think about that Chargers round two pick getting Asante Samuel Jr. as late as they did with their quarterback room now being Chris Harris, Michael Davis, and Samuel Jr. as their nickel guys? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, I mean, I, I, said this, I said this to you on a previous podcast. I just think his size is going to play in heavily. So if you, if you look at another Florida State guy, LaMarcus Joyner, who joined Florida State as a corner, he was the best high school player in the country, but he's also 5'9", same as Asante Samuel. You know what the difference is? LaMarcus Joyner's arms were so damn long, his hands were damn near near his knees when he stood up straight. Like he made up for the fact that he was a small corner who eventually trans, uh, transferred over to, to safety, but his arms were so long and he had this, this genetic gift that he could make up for the lack of size by just having these ridiculously long arms. There's a, there's a video, he was playing in the Under Armour game uh, when he was a senior in high school and he was going up against a six, four wide receiver and their arms on a jump ball in the corner of the end zone, their arms were the same height and it didn't have anything to do with some ridiculous vertical. It had to do with his arm length was so absurd. So when you've got a guy who's got physical gifts like that, they make up for the lack of size. Asante Samuel doesn't have that. Now he does have better coaching. I mean, his name's Asante Samuel, right? So you would expect him to be fantastic when it comes to footwork, flipping the hips, the things that are important for a cornerback, but he doesn't have the top end speed that you would want or the shiftiness that you would expect from a guy who's primarily going to be in the slot, most likely. Well, so I will say with the Chargers, he probably won't play nickel. Uh, Chris Harris Jr. is going to be who they throw there because he's a premier nickel corner. And I will also say he won't be guarding the fastest guy on the team. That'll be Michael Davis's job, Vato has actually kind of locked down even Tyreek Hill with the Chiefs. He's been the guy that they've had shadowed Tyreek, and he's been successful in that. So you've kind of got Asante, who's going to be asked to, to guard whoever the other team's outside receiver two is, or their slower outside receiver will be who Asante Samuel Jr. is tasked with. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that, but he still ran – was it a four, four, nine? 
Yeah. That doesn't that doesn't show the that doesn't show the speed and the quickness that you would expect from somebody of his size. I just don't think the size speed correlation is there for him to be a top end player. No, I say all that. God, I hope he's a fantastic. I hope he's an all pro for the next 30 years. I know Derwin liked him. Well, hey, and, and I love me some Derwin. Sammy's going to slowly become a Chargers fan because the Chargers just keep drafting Florida State players on defense at the request of Derwin James. They might as um, well just move Florida State to Los Angeles at this point. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, don't um, say that. Don't say that. Move, 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 the char- move the Chargers to Tallahassee. If the Chargers, if anyone's moving out between Florida State and the Chargers, it's the Chargers. That's but nice. um, since we're talking about size, I want to talk size for a second. Presley Harvin the third punter out of Georgia Tech, drafted to the oh Pittsburgh Steelers, my. six four, six foot two sixty, biggest punter ever selected, won the Ray Guy Award in twenty twenty. I love it. I'm here for it. It's the one punter as a returner I'd be genuinely afraid of getting tackled by. So as somebody as somebody who's a fan of special teams players that are ridiculously oversized, like Sebastian Janikowski, I love it, dude. You, you cannot so go wrong. You cannot go wrong with that. The big he, ass dude. He reminds me of a Penn State kicker from a couple of years back called uh, Julius Duell. Dude was like Looked like a roly poly oly one uh, one pepperoni roll from uh, from break, breaking the pads on his shoulder. Dude was massive, but the hits he laid out were just beautiful. And I, I hope to see some of that. I need I, Pat McAfee needs to be clapping somewhere, standing up, going, "Yes, that's what I want to see." We need more punters drafted and kicking the crap out of somebody because Pat McAfee was also a big guy. He was six one two forty. That's a big for a punter. For the brand, bro. For the brand. For the brand, baby. Shout out. And that's like Presley Harvard averaged 50 (laughs) yards a punt in college. 50 yards. Like he could kick. Hey, let me say, if I knew that we were going to throw out a Pat McAfee reference, I'd have worn my for the brand hat. Damn it. Love me some Pat McAfee. Let's go Mountaineers. All right, Quinn. What else we got for tonight? I think we're about good unless anyone has, you know, any last – draft thoughts that are you know is there any other player that anyone wants to throw out there oh oh, oh, i got one don't draft kellen mond yes i I was i was just about to go there sammy i don't know what it is about jimbo quarterbacks but they do not perform in the league i mean you look at Jameis winston who is the most talented quarterback that jimbo fisher has ever coached and i mean as much as i love Jameis. Come on, man. Is he an NFL quarterback? I just don't know. And and Kellen Mond is not anywhere close to the same level as uh as Jameis was. So don't don't buy you any shares of, of yeah. Kellen as the, the future replacement to Kirk Cousins. They're gonna have to do something else. I, I did not think Kellen Mond was the pick for I, I said this earlier in the podcast, but there was just so many other needs that were there and He's a great quarterback. I think he could fit in a better system, but he is uh, not to Minnesota, not not to that not to that organization uh, right now. I think I think Minnesota should have waited until next year's draft to possibly get a quarterback of the future with Kirk Cousins' contract being up. 
and you had so many you had you had other guys who were falling at that point you could have added bolster your defense get maybe another offensive lineman maybe get another wide receiver I don't know but not a quarterback that high and specifically not Kellen Mond all right, Quinn. Sorry, I, I threw I threw it to you already to close out, and then I jumped back in with something else. So this time I'm really throwing it to you. Close us out. Yeah, no, that was I wanted to make sure everyone had their last thoughts out of the way. Um, so yeah, I mean, thanks for hanging out with us. You can find me on Twitter, Quinn underscore Kusky, last name spelled C U S K E Y. You can also hit me up on Twitch, Pens twelve oh six. We're streaming on just about a daily basis over there. Mostly Madden content, starting to reach into some COD on the road to affiliate uh help your boy out come tune in when i'm streaming uh sammy where can they find you at samuel underscore gordon hit me up for anything scotch uh cigar good ipas or beers in general uh or just anything fantasy football man uh tom where they can hit you up at uh you can follow me at uh T C band four S I E B A N four as the number on Instagram. Uh, I post a lot of weightlifting content, uh, a lot of faith stuff. So if you ever have any questions on trying to build your faith or also trying to get strong, um, follow me on there. And I will say uh, if, if you are trying to build your faith, Tom really is a big help to that. He's helped me with that a lot this last year. So if if that is something you're looking to do, Tom really is a great guy for that. Um, any last thoughts before I hit us with our music moment and bring us out? Nah, dude, hit it up. All right, music yes. moment. We got a band for you. We're going with a bit of the underground metal scene, uh, hard rock metal scene. I think they should be getting some more look. Uh, this is the band Soil with their song Halo. We're out. Peace. See you, fellas.